My name's Eric, I'm lead pastor of Alpine Church in Brigham City. Uh, I'm glad to see all you guys here today, and uh, I get to introduce our new sermon series called Greater Love. Love is something we all just need a little bit more of, or a lot more of, in our life. Would you agree with me on that? And we also need to understand what love is. I mean, I think in our culture, we have this word love confused a little bit, right? We use love for every, everything, and we use it flippantly, right? Like, and I do it too. I'm like, I love, I love hobbies. I love golf, right? I love uh, uh, eating awesome food, right? I love my dog, even though he's a little bit crazy, like, and he, he terrorizes things, and he stinks sometimes, like, Sometimes when he is quiet and tired at the end of the day, he is so cuddly and lovable, okay? I love my family. I love my wife. I love my children, right? We, we say we love all of these different things uh, all the time, but yet you can, you can differentiate in your mind. It's different love, right? I love my, my spouse different than I love my kids, different than I love pizza, you know, different than I love meat, you know, all those different things, right? Uh, but there's this, s- s- we use the same word for all of it. And I think that's where we lose some of the flavor and fr- some of the understanding uh, when we're talking about a biblical kind of love, a love from God. And so that's kind of what we're going to address today. What is love, really? What is a biblical love? What is a, a godly love? And in the Bible, there are several different terms for the word love in its original language. Actually, in Greek, uh, in the Greek translation of the New Testament, which the New Testament was written uh, in the Greek language, uh, they have different words for what we would translate to be the word love. Today, we're going to look at agape love, and I'll get into a definition in that uh, in just a moment. It's the most important of all the loves, but there's also, eros love and phileo love. Eros love is more of like that, that love, that passionate, even, you know, the word erotic comes from that. You didn't think you were going to hear that word today, did you? But that's where that word comes from. Phileo uh, is a word uh, that means like a brotherly love. You've heard of the city Philadelphia, which means city of brotherly love. And so there are different, like, friendship types of loves and passionate types of love, intimate love, and then there's this word agape love that we're going to deal with today. And I want to give you uh, a quick definition of what agape love is. Agape love is unconditional self-sacrificial love. It is the highest form of love originating from God himself. So, we can say that we, you know, love something, but we're not ready to sacrifice ourselves for it, right? And so that's where this word kind of differentiates and why it is the highest form of love. It is the love of my will, of my volition. It's not based on just feeling and emotions, but it is the love that compels us, compels me to do something, and it is the love that compels God to love as well. And so in order to understand this type of love, we have to go back to the root of where it comes from and who it comes from. And in 1 John chapter 4, maybe some of you've heard 
this verse. There's more to the verse, and we'll break it down in just a little bit. But we're going to be in 1 John 4 for, for most of our time today. If you've got Bibles or a Bible app, we've got free Bibles at the welcome table if you want to grab one. But in 1 John 4, 8, it says, God is love. And that word love translated is agape. And so what this, what, you know, what does this mean? People always kind of throw this term out. God is love, right? But we should dig deeper into what this truly means. Uh, and so uh, one thing that I want to share with you is somewhat of a theological term uh, called the Trinity. And, and God is three in nature, one in uh, being, right? He is, he, there are three persons in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the question was once posed a long time ago, how could God be love? How could love be in his very nature? See, you see, God has all these attributes about him, unchangeable attributes that uh, have existed with him from eternity past. God is eternal. That's one of his attributes. God is uh, omniscient. That means he knows everything. He exists out of time, right? That goes back to his eternality. Trinity uh, means that he is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and also one of his attributes is that he is perfect love. He is love. In his very nature and being, in his very essence, God is love. And so how could God be love um, if one time he was all alone, right? People asked that question before. Like, you have to have somebody to love in order to have the attribute of love. But yet, this is the interesting thing about God, and I don't want to blow your minds too much, but God has existed uh, forever, and he hasn't been by himself, because in his nature, in himself, he has a community. He has uh, a loving relationship with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, and so God, from eternity past, has always loved himself and each member in himself. They have this perfect love and unity that God uh, now, when he decided to create human beings, wants to give it to them, wants to impress it upon them, wants to give over his love to a people who he created, and that is this agape love. You see, God is never not loving. His attributes don't ever change. He doesn't take on new attributes, but God has always been love, this agape style of love. And, and I know that's kind of a, like an abstract concept for you to think of, and so I want to bring it down to a little bit of easier terms to understand. What does that love look like? Well, in a passage of scripture that we often read at weddings, uh, talking about a marriage relationship, we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but this isn't necessarily meant for weddings or marriages, uh, or uh, this is really explaining uh, uh, the, this agape love that God has for his people, and therefore we should now show it to each other. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 13 isn't really about us at all. Uh, it is written to a church where they're supposed to love each other this way. But really it is revealing God's very character, this agape love. It says this, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily 
Angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. This is love in action, okay? This is love in its practical sense, this agape love. As we talked about it, it is self-sacrificial, right? It, it doesn't seek its own uh, good, but it's not self-seeking, but it, it seeks the good in the interests of others. It's not proud. It doesn't boast. You know, uh, Jesus himself was the model of humility. He came down as a, a, a baby as a, 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 to come be like one of us, the king of the universe, to humble himself to be like one of us, and he didn't fight his way to the cross, but he knew that he had to do that. He had to sacrifice his, his life for us. God is patient. This type of agape love is patient. It is kind. It doesn't dishonor. It doesn't keep any record of wrongs. If God kept a record of my wrongs and held it against me, I wouldn't be here today, and I really wouldn't understand the love of God, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13 helps us to understand this love. Now, the problem is, is okay, I understand that God loves me and, and us that way, but uh, I don't quite get this type of love because I can't do this, at least perfectly like God does, right? God is the only one who can perfectly love, but for me, Right? I can say that I love my kids and my wife self-sacrificially, but sometimes I am selfish, right? And sometimes I am patient. Impatient, I mean. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, you know, I, I would say more than sometimes. If, if we were all honest, we would say more than sometimes we are not this type of a love. And so how am I supposed to do this, right? Like, could you imagine if we could get this down, this agape love, this true godly love in our lives and in our marriages, like how wonderful things would be if we could be more kind and patient and humble and not self-seeking and looking over the, the things that people offend us by and, and being trusting and perseverant and protective with this kind of love, if we could get this, think about it, right? Like, uh, our in-laws would be our best friends, right? Or our, our marriages would fr thrive. Our kids would obey the first time every time. Or, you know, for us Utah drivers, uh, we would not have that road rage, right? For some, t for some reason in Utah, uh, if nobody's ever told you this, there are two seasons of driving. It's winter and construction, right? That's all you get. You don't ever get clear roads that are nice to drive on. So just deal with it and learn how to be patient, right? If we could do that, like, wouldn't life be so good, right? We would be able to conquer so much evil and do so much. But it doesn't come natural to us. This type of a love does not come natural to us, so we need an example to be shown to us how to do it, and we also need the power to be able to do it. And so this example that God gives us, as I've said earlier, is found in Jesus Christ himself. God's agape love is displayed most clearly through Jesus on the cross. As I started to understand and, and learn about this love of God that he had for me, I started to realize how far I fall short 
of loving him that way and loving others that way. You know, that's the great commandment, love God and love others. And I, you know, although I've had loving parents and people in my life that have loved me, I've never got this perfect example of what it really, truly looked like to be loved in the way that God loves with that perfect love. And I never had the power to be able to do it until I started to understand what God did for me and who I truly am to him. And in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9, as we move on, here's what it says. This is how God showed his, showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, this verse, if we break it down a little bit deeper, gets us into what we believe in the Christian faith and how it can compel us to understand God's love and then move to share it. And here, there are two theological uh, type of terms I want to pull out of these two verses. Verse 9 is the incarnation, as I talked about earlier. Verse 9 talks about, this is how God loved us. He sent his son to become like us, come down into the world, right? That is the story of Christmas. That is why we make Christmas such a big deal, right? It's not because it's, you know, some pagan holiday that we adopted many of hundreds of thousands of years ago or whatever and decided to apply it to our own religion. No, we make Christ Christmas a big deal because it talks about the love of God through the incarnation. That means incarnation means to become flesh, to be made flesh. And the Bible says that Jesus was come and to be made flesh. God himself showed us his love through becoming like one of us. Then the second part of that verse is the atonement. This is love. Remember with our definition, self-sacrificial love. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The Bible says it has nothing to do with our love for God. Uh, I failed at loving God my entire life. My entire life, I didn't live up to his standards and his holiness. I have failed. And the Bible says that uh, even while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. You see, and so this type of love that is talked about is a love that has nothing to do with the receiver, but everything to do with the giver. Again, that is agape love. It is the willingness of the giver, the goodness of the giver, not of the worthiness of the receiver. And that word atoning sacrifice or atonement, maybe you've heard it before. Well, what that means is if you break that word into three parts, it, you would say at one -ment. Well, because of all of our falling short and our sin, we are not at one with God. We're not born at one with God. We are not in a right relationship with God. And in, in order for that to be restored and to be made whole, Jesus had to make us at one with God. And so that sacrifice of him dying on the cross to take all of our sin and our shame and take it on the cross and die there that is what the atonement is. And so I share all this to say to you that in my own life and in 
the Apostle John's life and Christian's life from, you know, ever since Jesus came, uh, have all understood that this love, agape love, is this high form of love that comes from God. We don't naturally have it. We need it, and, and in order to be able to give it to others, we first need it for ourselves. I'll tell you this, that uh, I would have never, my wife and I would have never been able to continue on in our marriage if it wasn't for this higher form of love, right? Because, you know, I am so prideful and she is so stubborn. <laughs> I can get away with that if I, get, if I, if I blame myself first, right? Um, because of our, both of our sin natures kind of clashing together, uh, the only thing that would keep us together with this covenant that we have of marriage would be this higher form of love that goes beyond feeling, goes beyond emotion. And you know what? We've done a lot against God. But it goes beyond what he feels about us, uh, and, and it's this choosing love, the love of his will, the love that compels him to come and save us and to make us right with him. Uh, I wanted to point out a, a, a little interesting fact. I don't have the verses up there, but uh, the Apostle John who's writing this, he is uh, a passionate guy. He is a very comp competitive guy. Uh, I'm a little bit of the same way. And uh, uh, as he's, he's, he's written about five books in the New Testament, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation, and then the earlier would be the Gospel of John. And uh, in his, uh, the Gospel of John, uh, it explains um, some funny thing about his personality. Uh, it, when Jesus rose on Sunday in John chapter 20, after he rose from the dead on Sunday and his body was gone, uh, it says that Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. John wrote this. He doesn't name himself. Instead, he says, Peter and the one in whom Jesus loved. Now, I wish that we could all feel the same way that John does, right? Instead of calling our name, kind of like that, that song we sang earlier, I am who you say I am, not who I think I am, right? Uh, I wish we could all see ourselves as the one in whom Jesus loved, right? The one in whom uh, loves me. It goes on to say, here's a funny, funnier thing. It says, uh, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He writes this about himself. Isn't that kind of funny? Like he's got this competitive, passionate nature, but the, the, and he, he's just saying, yeah, I beat him there. I, I'm not going to try to be too prideful, but the, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved made it to the tomb first. Why? Because... I love him more than you do, Peter. I wish we could see ourselves in that kind of a light, though. You know, uh, joking aside, you know, we don't have to be competitive with one another, but we could say to ourselves, I'm, I'm that disciple in whom Jesus loved. You know, John gives us the best understanding of this word agape, uh, this agape love, and I'm so grateful and thankful that we have that in our Bibles uh, to be able to share with him 
And so maybe you're here today and you're, you're like, I need to be loved like that, right? I need this, this love. Um, I've had a tough life, right? I've had some broken relationships. I've uh, hurt people and I, I feel like I'm not worthy of anybody or anyone's love. And, and uh, I want us all to come to this understanding that if that's you here today, that was me. That's all of us, if we're honest about it. But God, even though while we were still sinners, not because we loved him, but that he loved us, he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And, and, and to be able to now take that love and to share it with other people, first you have to take it and own it for yourself first. And if that's you today, I want you to sit and contemplate uh, as we get to the end of this message how you will respond, you know. We can be disciples in, of the one in whom Jesus loved. If we believe in 1 John 4 earlier, it says if we believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in the flesh. Again, we're, we're, we're believing the right information with the right attitude, right? We're, we're believing that Jesus Christ, who was God, came down in the flesh and became man to die for us. If you will believe that today you can be the one in whom Jesus loved as well and be a receiver of God's love. But it doesn't stop there. This is where a lot of Christianity gets a little bit messed up. Is Sometimes it's, 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 it's kind of that young, immature uh, faith where we don't leave Sunday school behind a little bit, right? Everybody remember the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, Right? And I, you know, we should, yes, we believe that. And yes, we should be continuously reminding ourselves that as well. But we should be able to now take God's love and not just keep it to ourselves, right, and be selfish with it, but we should be able to go now and show the world his love, show our neighbor his love, show the people that we say we love in our lives this type of love this agape love, that's my last point. Agape love calls us to love others like Christ loved us. And as I go a little bit deeper in what I have been talking about, uh, back to 1 John 8 to our first verse, it says, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Isn't that, that's a little bit like, oh man, that's a challenge. Again, John is the competitive disciple, and he is saying it in a, in a harsh kind of a manner, kind of black and white. That's kind of how he is. And he says, look, if you claim to know God, but you're not loving people with this self-sacrificial love, if it's all based on feeling and emotion all the time, you better, you better start, go, go back to the basics Go back to Sunday school first and sing that song and understand that God is love. And he compels us now to love in that way. I want you to understand, I know it sounds hard to be able to love in the way that Jesus loved, right? He's God. Like, how do we do this, right? Like, again, it's back to that example that Jesus showed us. Here's something, again, that John wrote in his earlier gospel. It says, no one has ever seen God. But the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. This is saying nobody has ever seen God, but he revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Now there's a contrasting verse in 1 John chapter 4. It starts out with the same sentence. And I want you to pick up on this. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. So what he's saying in all of that, he, he kind of comes years later, he picks up on a sentence that he wrote a long time ago. First of all, God showed us what love is through his son, Jesus Christ. And now he's saying, now God showed us his love through how he loved us. And, and so nobody has ever seen God and nobody will ever see God in this life. But you want to know how to see God? Because Jesus left 2,000 years ago, and he is now seated with Father. You want to know how people will see God? It's how we love them now. The love of Christ that comes through us now is, is conduited and, 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 and flows through us to give to other people. Other people will see Jesus when we love them with this self-sacrificial, keeping no record of wrongs, humble, patient, and kind Love. Do you want to show people Jesus is the question that I have for you? And let me tell you, if you hold the title of Christian to be a little bit blunt like John was, if you call yourself a Christian, that means little Christ, okay? If you are uh, claim to be the image bearer of God and you call yourself a Christian, well, to be a Christian, a little Christ is to go do and what, do what Christ did. And if you can't go agape, love the people around you, then you might question where your faith is at. That's very challenging to me, and that's the way I believe that John is trying to challenge us. But it says that when we do this, his love will be brought to full expression in us. We will be an expression of his love, and, 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 and it reminds me of like, you know, a cup, and over and over in the Bible, it talks about a cup being overflowing and pouring over, right? Well, we come to church, and we're just like, God, I just want you to fill my cup up today, right? Just fill it up, and we forget about uh, overflowing, right? We just want ours filled up, but when our cup overflows, it can spill into all kinds of other people's lives, and what happens when the cup overflows, and it's spilling over into everybody's life? You'll never need God to fill up your cup again because it'll be constantly full. So when you are loving other people, there's this sense in which you're constantly receiving something that you need. So sometimes we get in this selfish attitude like I can't help others right now and I can't really invite someone and I can't share the gospel with anyone because I'm just not in the right place. But the, the thing that I believe God is telling us in his word is as we do his will and his work and we share his love with people, we will constantly be filled and overflowing in his love. And we don't do this uh, out of our own power. Again, God is not going to command us to do something to love each other without the power and the means to be able to do it. And so you might be sitting there right now like, I can't do this. I fail over and over. I lost my patience last night. I don't know what to do. Well, God will not command us to do something that he doesn't give us the power to do. Again, he is the example in which we are supposed to, it says we love because he first loved us. And so we have to come back to the gospel every time. I know that in the fights in my own marriage, 
or the problems that I had with other people, uh, I always had to come back to, but God. (laughs) But God loved me, right? But God loved me so much. And I don't know about you, but I can't say that people have done something so terrible to me that actually amounts to all the sin that I've ever committed in my life towards God. And so if he can forgive me, I can forgive others. And this is where John, back in his old gospel letter, says, this is my commandment. This is Jesus talking. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one life, one's life for one's friend. So putting people first is tough. It's not natural, but it's supernatural. And that's the type of power that we need to be able to go love others. And along the way, that expression will work its way out in us, and we will be filled up as well as we are loving other people. So who do we need to extend love today? Who do we need to be more patient with? Who do we need to forgive? Who do we need to be humble towards? I want you to think about that today. As we dig deeper and deeper into the love of God, I hope that we uh, understand the most important part of love, which is God's love that he gives to us and now empowers us to love other people. Let's not let the world and the culture shape the way we love. Jesus said he'll, he'll change the whole world. Like the whole world will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. And that means letting go of offenses. That means letting go of the things that we think we were wronged in and being patient and kind to one another. Can you do that? Can you do that in your friendships, your marriages today, the relationships with your kids, at, at work? Can you do that with me if I've offended you? Somebody else here at church? Somebody who uh, left the church isn't coming anymore? All of these things, we've got to let go and start to learn with love, this agape love. Would you guys pray with me?